Okay, everyone, welcome to the first discussion of um, the ISIS papers. Um, I just want to ask you guys a question about um, the introduction and a preface. When, when I um, read in the introduction and preface that um, it was my cosmic responsibility to do all that I can to help produce justice, I when I read that, I like... I got like a, like some kind of like awakening, some like new enlightenment. Because at first, my life was dedicated to healing trauma, you know, stopping, stop all this craziness from going around. But then when I like, when I read that, I, something inside my like soul and psyche like clicked, like, holy fuck. Finally, like, you know, this is the root, the root of all evil, basically. It's like this system that needs massive death, massive destruction, massive confusion, massive deceit to operate. This system is a root of a lot of like issues in the world. So, um, and also not having justice is that that's the root, not having system of justice. So I want to ask you guys, how did you guys feel reading the introduction and preface? Did you guys also experience some kind of surge or were you guys like, hmm, maybe it is my cosmic responsibility. Are you guys still trying to find out you guys got cosmic responsibility if you believe in that sort of thing yeah yeah also what do you think it means to like for it to be a cosmic responsibility um i guess i'll start uh i read the preface like a couple of weeks ago so i'm not too sure on like exactly what was said again because i don't really remember it but I do, uh, to answer Swa's question, I did have like a, um, a sense of responsibility come up when I read it. Um, as far as like cosmic, I don't, I'm not sure what that means um, and how it relates, but I definitely feel a sense of responsibility to know this information. Um, what was the question you asked, Ash? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just asking like, what, what do you think it means like, what do you think a cosmic responsibility means? Yeah, I yeah like, I, I can further break down what a cosmic being is. So, like, if you understand, well, like, when, when one begins to understand how um, the, the, the Black African psyche has been replaced with the European psyche, like, all of us, in some way, shape, or form, have been oppressed to the point where, like, our, we've been menticided. Bobby E. Wright calls it. It's the process that has to happen before a genocide is when you basically become like your oppressor. So this is why, Sandra, you, you experience like a lot of people trashing your, your black male partner because that's what happens when you, you have to genocide a race. You have to make, okay, to make sure that the target race that you're genociding, the males, they have to be the one that receiving the most like, you know, hate, hostility, and then it trickles down to the, the female and then to the children, so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't have an African um, worldview anymore or an African consciousness. We have a European mindset. That's what we operate right. on for, for the most part. So Africans, their worldview, they believe in a cosmic, in a cosmic universe where everything is connected. You know, everything is uh, like, especially nature, it's something sacred. You know, it's not something to be destroyed or like, you know, polluted and made to be, you know, less important. 
but the European mindset has separated everything. Everything is separate, you know, like it's, it's actually very anti-nature, hence, right. hence, you know, pollution, hence, you know, the yeah. killing of animals for fun. I always noticed that, but, you know. So, uh, so, Africans, that so the Africans believe that, you know, you know, not mm-hmm. everything is here for like to, to bring forth balance and peace, right. harmony. So that, that's what like a cosmic being should be doing here, you know, right. to that balance. So <coughs> yes, to, to, to continue answering the questions, I'll, I'll, I'll just listen. Okay. Um, well, just like McKees, right? McQuise? McQuise, yeah. McQuise, yeah. I, uh, I also touched on the uh, preface and intro a couple of weeks ago. I kind of... I'm on like chapter five now. I couldn't really go back. I didn't. I didn't want to at that point. But um, as far as uh, so, I was talking about um, cosmic beings and stuff. Thank you, Ashley, for the recognize. Um, because uh, I don't know if we're still. We've talked about this before, but Lovecraft Country. I don't know if anybody's watching that in here or anything. But they talked a little about like an- ancestral planes and stuff. So I felt like it was. Uh, Really, I just think that's weird that, uh, or not weird, but crazy that Swa brings that up because, um, yeah, I just feel like it's like more of a connection now. I feel like as a black person in America, we're constantly dealing with like identity crises and stuff. And so it was just kind of, uh, yeah, once you just kind of read some of the book and stuff, you got, you just feel more powerful, I guess, more connected a little bit. So, yeah. I guess uh, I guess that kind of ties them being cosmic being and stuff. Hopefully, yeah. Like and, and just to re-answer the question, so everyone remembers the question. I'm asking, like, do you um, feel like you have some sort of responsibility on this planet to bring forth justice, or or whatever justice means to you, or whatever you would see as peace, or do you just feel like you're just here to exist as an individual? Uh, I think I've, I'm here to like at least uh, give the right information to, like Tupac said, like spark the ring that will change. Because I don't, I don't think it'll change like this time around. I don't know if it'll change in our generation, but like for sure, we need to get the conversation started. So I definitely feel like if you if you're referring to like a cosmic, like you know, astrological responsibility, then yes, like. Our ancestors are are definitely expecting us to carry the torch and do what we need to do so that you know um, this this momentum can carry throughout these generations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely feel a big responsibility. I'm such a um, very conscious person meaning like I can't do no wrong without feeling a certain way it weighs heavy on my heart and as much as I probably feel like I won't make the biggest impact because I feel like a lot of black people are stuck in their ways and a lot of times that makes me very weary but I know that eventually we'll get where we need to go. It might not be at this time, but 
it'll eventually be if our kids' kids have kids um, or anything in that area because um, I just don't want to be a person that doesn't leave a mark of something or uh, knowing how or what my parents and grandparents been through I just don't want to be someone that sticks to the simple of society when I could have did something different and changed it Mm -hmm. amazing Sandra okay um (laughs) I feel I feel a responsibility because I feel like the I feel like the system will not work correctly unless we get to the root of the like the you know the problem that came before everything like I feel like we we build all this new um, technology you know and we say that we're advancing but really we're not moving forward if we're not treating each other with respect it doesn't you know it doesn't equal happiness this mental illness there's issues going on that all the stuff that's being invented isn't really going to matter unless we go back in time and look at what happened before. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with like what everyone said. It's pretty like profound. Um, I agree a, a lot with what you said, Sandra. We live in a society that like fetishizes having new technology, new things, and we never, and we don't even realize that there's like people living on the street and like they don't even have access to the most basic and it's like I always agree like you know the first the last should come first um you know the people who are suffering the most should receive the most care um yeah and I think I agree it's I feel like my ancestors are like watching and I'm similar to you Chris I feel a lot of just like guilt every day like I'm super like empathetic so walking outside just like I already feel like just overwhelms with how bleak the world is. And I'm like, I can't leave yeah. without doing something, whatever that may be. Yeah. Yeah, like, everyone, thank, thank everyone for asking the question. Uh, I, I definitely feel like a huge, like, responsibility. Like, um, I, I don't feel like I came to, to Earth to have a picnic. You know, I definitely didn't come, you know, expecting the problem to be this dire as well, you know. But I'm on Earth now, and um, I believe people are, well, our brains, as I've learned, is like um, only, it's a problem-solving organism. So if, if the only thing I need to exist, if the thing I need to exist, which is my brain, um, only purpose is to solve problems, then I better get to it. So um, to get us started i want to read um this part that um triggered my question uh, this is on page um xvi and in the introduction i hope that this collection of essays will assist blacks and all other people who have as their cosmic responsibility the resolution of their problem of injustice in the world and in identifying the problem of that specific injustice more clearly than ever before, instead of engaging in our past practices of complaining, moaning, crying, crying, groaning, begging, clapping hands and singing, 
we shall overcome when confronted with these death-causing, life-stellifying problems posed by white supremacy. Black people in the U.S. must dissect and analyze these problems to their core. With this knowledge, Black people can take the necessary steps to eliminate the problem. Those who will work for justice and those who understand that work as their cosmic or as their conscious responsibility will be found in all places and all walks of life at all levels of formal education and at all income levels. There are no class divisions nor language barriers for those who do this cosmic work. It is time to solve this problem once and for all and it is time for justice on planet earth. So this is one of our, our mantras. It's time for justice on planet earth. You know. All right, so getting into um, chapter one, does anyone have any um, questions? Well, was everyone, um, I didn't ask if um, people were able to read the first two chapters because I was trusting this group. <laughs> But I know, I know, I know. Readings, I know. Reading is tough in this climate. You know, if you guys read the, um, did you? You guys all read the community intentions, right? Most yeah. of it. Uh, most of it. Almost, <laughs> Wait, you said know. which one you said? The the community intentions. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about the 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 two chapters. The two chapters I feel slightly short this time. Oh, okay. All right. Well, like, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the least we could do against this genocide, I believe, is um, read. So let's try to, let's try to um, read, the, read the, the book so we can all be on the same page when discussing. I think that's fair for everyone. I could be wrong, though. Am I? I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is a medical problem, you know, that happened when I was, so it <laughs> doesn't usually happen. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I understand. I understand why some privacy does um, <laughs> a lot of negative. Are we talking about the chapter already? Or? Yeah, yeah, chapter one. Do you have any um, questions? Take I don't see. Um, well, I just wanted to make a comment. Like, I feel like the first chapter does a really good job of like explaining the psychological color confrontation, uh, color confrontation, and then like the second one the second chapter kind of goes into like like uh why and how it began in a way i guess you would say um, I don't know if let's focus on, on chapter um, one for right now because i want to make sure we all understand the color confrontation theory. Can everyone um, take a, a turn and, un, and um, explain their interpretation of the color confrontation theory? Color confrontation theory. Hmm. Color frequency, right? Yeah, or like, you know, just explain um, chapter one, what, what you think she, the author, Dr. Francis Crespo was getting at, like, how she's basically trying to explain the root of racism like the the neurosis around um the the mindset around racism so you don't have to raise your hands andrew you can just go person <laughs> <laughs> stuff sorry <laughs> um, 
is it is it anyone goes or yeah go go for it yeah who wants to talk what i got out of it is basically uh jealousy um jealousy causes a lot of issues in the world and this is just i mean this is the biggest one you know or in the u.s per se that since since um since they are jealous they start treating the other group a certain way and then the other group starts behaving a certain way and then they point the finger back you know at the other group it's kind of like a constant not 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 again it isn't productive you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'll take that i'll take that Anyone else want to take a crack at it? The color confrontation theory? Um, familiarize myself with some of these. I did highlight some of the things in here that I thought were very interesting. It made a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I think this is just basic, basically like the foundation of everything kind of, um, you know, where white supremacy stems from basically right correct correct me if i'm wrong ash and swa that's my interpretation a bit of this this chapter yeah yeah i think for me the chapter kind of or i, I were you gonna keep going as i don't wanna... No, no no i was asking you guys <laughs> uh, i think for me like the chapter like kind of like what sandra was saying introduces which I never really like thought about the idea that, you know, um, the ability like, or the idea that white people a lot of times are projecting and then non-white people internalize that projection and end up seeing themselves as like inferior. And because like darker skinned people have the ability to like produce melanin, exist outside, like yeah. without being like burned. And like, um, I kind of like the first people, there's a sense of like jealousy that comes from white people and their lack of melanin or whatever causes them to project onto us an, a sense of inferiority. And then we as uh, black people or non-white people in general internalize that inferiority and we and then that's when like you get white people who are tanning their skin to be darker and then black people who are internalizing all of the shit that white people give us who start bleaching their skin um yeah that's what I kind yeah. of and I thought it was really interesting that like she starts off the book like saying that you know at least like three quarters of the people in the world are non-white <laughs> and I like never even really thought about exactly that. Yeah. like really like there's most people on the world in the world are not white and yet most people's lives are controlled by this small group of European people and that just like kind of blew my mind because I never really I mean I kind of knew but you never really think about it until you like to think that billions of people's lives are controlled by a couple or a couple hundred million is kind of crazy yeah very true um, I was going to say what Ash said that we're such a big population of colored people and we're so controlled by these non-colored people that have like the smallest population to change the whole shape of 
just how the world is functioning, even in different countries, they're mm-hmm. trying to get themselves in a whole different country and shape it how they did the United States, mm-hmm. just in different ways. And it's like, yeah, sometimes we need to keep the, you know, the the purest form of things so that we'll have something for ourselves. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for sharing, trying to answer a question, everyone. I think, um, yeah, you're right, Carice. It's definitely, um, it's a global thing. Like, this is not just a US problem. This is a global thing. Uh, And my only fear, my only real fear that I actually have is um that white supremacy like leaves the planet and they colonize um like Mars, the moon. And 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 then they just like have white supremacy everywhere, which would just that's my true fear. So that's why I want to solve this problem ASAP because I don't think it should escape the planet and then call destroy more planets and produce this just continue producing this chaotic energy is not good for the universe. Um so I want to read this part and then um give my take on the color confrontation theory. This is on page nine, and it says the color confrontation theory views all of the present battlegrounds in the world as as vivid reflections of this reality. The destructive and aggressive behavioral patterns being displayed by white peoples toward all non-white peoples is evidence of the inner hate, hostility, and rejection they feel towards themselves and the death of self-alienation that has evolved from the genetic and psychological kernel of color inadequacy. So the color conversation theory basically is, all right, well, we're white people. Uh, we can't produce melanin. We learned that the hard way because of wherever we went, we would um, have sex with the um, colored girls and a colored baby would come out. And we also, at the same time, realized that we were a global minority because everywhere we went, people were either red, yellow, brown, or black. So that's why eventually this system of race and white supremacy will be formed. But this is where the inadequacy developed, the realization that they were unable to produce melanin. And even a non-white female has more genetic power to than them because they will always produce a melanated baby no matter whether it's a male or female. So that's the inadequate part. And they've and they've have um, projected this feeling in a thousands and thousands of ways. So um, and keep in mind before white people were like terrorizing um, people who were not white colored people they were terrorizing each other for thousands of years. So they had good practice, you know, and especially when you encounter a a culture who doesn't have the idea that a culture could be, the root of a culture could be one of of destruction and control. That's why, that's, that's the white supremacist culture, destruction and control. So the Africans, the East Asians, and the all non-white peoples of the world, they, they weren't of, of aware of a culture that could exist this way. So when the whites came, it was game over. You know, they were able to finesse, lie, and deceive their way into 
total conquer. Divide and conquer is what they do. Divide and conquer, yep. Yeah, so divide and conquer is why blacks kill blacks and why, you know, Hispanics don't like blacks and Hispanics don't like each other. Like divide and conquer is why you, we will always see people who are not white acting in such non-constructive ways. So that's my take on the color conversation theory. Anyone want to share anything from um, chapter one that really hit home with them or they want to share? Uh, let's see. Um, oh, you know, I maybe one thing. Um, I remember having a discussion with one of my friends um, recently about how to attack like white supremacy. Um, you know, we had it was I it was it was a pretty uh, intense conversation. Um, so in chapter one, they kind of talk about the various like economic systems, such as like capitalism, communism, and like socialism. And our discussion kind of was uh, about how to tackle or like defeat white supremacy. She was saying that you need to attack these things one at a time and kind of conquer them by themselves. And I was trying to make the point that these, these things are used to reinforce white supremacy. So I thought personally you attack the main goal. So I just thought that was interesting because on uh, page three, uh, she goes in to explain something by Fuller. I'll just read it says he discounts the valid validity of theories that recognize the evolution of economic systems as the origin of this state of affairs. Instead, he reveals the inadequate analysis of such theories by suggesting the various economic systems such as capitalism, communism, and socialism have been devised, used, and refined in the effort to achieve the primary goal of white domination. In other words, the goal of the white supremacy system is none other than the establishment, maintenance, expansion, and refinement of world domination by members of a group that classifies itself as a white race. So uh, I just had that conversation with her and then I started reading the book and it was kind of just like really touched on stuff like that. And I thought it was really crazy because it basically put into a better explanation for myself. So I just thought that was uh, something very interesting and cool to share about chapter one. Yeah, I agree. That part is really interesting, um, especially for me, because I used to be, well, I still am, like really into like communism, socialism, and like understanding it. Um, and I thought that it, it was a really interesting part too, because um, in some ways I agree with it, in some ways I kind of don't, but overall yeah. I agree that, um, you know, you could have a quote unquote like socialist society that is still like a white supremacist society. Yeah. Because like you could still have a white supremacist infrastructure irrespective of like if people have more economically. Um, so I thought that was like really interesting because I know a lot of people who say that, you know, it's about the economics and if you just like fix that, then, you know, but I don't yeah. people really understand that throughout the history of America, the white working class has not really worked with non-white people. They've actually been complicit in like their genocide. Um, it's been a pretty consistent theme. Um, so I think that it's, it's not really beneficial to just kind of hope that we can build alliances with like 
the white working class, I think we need to really look towards like empowering like non-white people as our like immediate goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want to share this from chapter one as well. And it's Wait, uh, if anyone else has thoughts about that. Oh yeah, anyone want to share thoughts before I read this? Someone say yeah. No, I don't think so. Okay, so this is on page nine. I want to read this. Um, the white personality and the presence of color can be stabilized only by keeping blacks and other non-whites in, in obviously inferior positions. The situation of mass proximity to blacks is intolerable to whites because blacks are, are inherently more than equal. People of color always will have something highly visible that whites never can have or produce. The genetic factor of color Always in the presence of color, whites will feel genetically inferior. So when you're walking in a room full of whites and they all look at you and, and, and you sense that aura, that energy in the air, that like, ah, oh, people, everyone's looking at me. That's why we have what they can never have. You know, and they, not, they may not be thinking this consciously. Keep in mind, this is not like a, something they're thinking about constantly. This is so embedded in their psyche that it's at the subconscious or of or unconscious level, you know, where they're determined, you know. We don't have to um, know which levels, which level is manifesting. We just have so much proof that it's there and it is manifesting. So the color confrontation is basically this summed up, you know, the white personality and as in a whole, this is why they tan. This is why they get tattoos all over the, all over their bodies. This is why they want to be around black people. They also um, talk about in this chapter how they kind of um, degrade the sex like sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought that was pretty interesting because um, such a my friend was talking about this yesterday. She was saying like how sex is so over sexualized but then also very shunned too at the same time you know and i think that that comes from you know just what we're talking about now just how like they hate them, themselves or they dislike themselves or their their inability to produce color so it just makes more sense that as to why they have this weird um over sexualization of black people and their uh their 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 tendency to shun sex period in all facets yeah because like you have to respect your like genetic material you have to respect what you're gonna reproduce and so like this is why i, I generally believe that like like white people or people who white people who practice white supremacy do not care about their children because you don't let people you consider your enemies to raise your children. You don't let people you don't trust raise your, your children and breastfeed them. But if you understand racism, what it is and how it works, then you will understand why all these things um, manifest. But yeah, um, this is why they don't, they don't care about their genetic material. Therefore, they don't care about like whatever they produce, you know, because you have to... One paragraph though that just kind of ties it 
And it says, um, finally, the degradation of sex in the white supremacy culture allows for yet another area of insight into the fundamental psychological dynamics of whites and their self-alienation regarding their physical appearance. At the most um, primordial level, sex uh, can be viewed as a reproduction of one's own image or uh, of self and of kind. According to the color confrontation theory, white supremacy culture degrades the act of sex and the process of self-reproduction because of whites both be reflect uh, both are reflective of whiteness and in turn their inability to produce color. This self-deficiency clearly is despised and is stated most explicitly in the religious and moral philosophies of the white supremacy culture. Yet this manner of degra uh, degrading the sexual act is not found in non-white cultures. In fact, the very opposite in, the, in this case. The act of reproduction is held in the highest, highest esteem as reflected in non-white arts and religious practices. Arts and religious practices of India and Africa give strong and continuous testimony to this fact. In whites, this initial core feeling of alienation from themselves and from the act that produces their image found subsequent expression mm -hmm. in their thought process, religious philosophies, moral codes, social acts, and the entire social structure. And that's on page seven through eight. There, did you have a, a comment? Do you have a comment about that part, Marquise? Oh, I was just reading it because it made sense as to what I was saying, how they just kind of like um, degrade like the idea of sex and, and how it just goes back to their inferiority of themselves. Yep, yep, yep. And I, I think for reading that because um, that's also what, what I, I was um, trying to get at. You know, that whole idea. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry. She must be talking about me. I agree with all y'all was saying. Y'all kind of took all my points. Um, but yes, I feel like white people see sex as, you know, domination. Um, Interesting. Because of the what the black male was. How can I put it? The black male is um, packing with. <laughs> um, um, they used to, you know, utilize their areas as shown in um chapter seven. Um, that's something that since they felt like they didn't have or they wasn't um, it's kind of like they fantasize. It's not like white people kind of like like you kind of for you. It's kind of like a fantasization thing, like, hey, um, your body is desirable. Like, I like you because this looks good. Like, yeah, if you're, you're just like an edible arrangement. You know what I mean? Like, instead yeah. <laughs> of just treating you as so as a human, they see you as a devouring appetizer and dessert. So, just kind of like, Ugh, about it. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank, uh, thank you, Therese. Thank you, for 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 saying that because 
the thing that made me want to understand why white people do what they do was the, the, the one of the first books that I got that got me serious about reading. It's called The Delectable Negro. And everything you said just echoed Delectable Negro. So, wow. Ash, you're gonna it's about one? human. It's about, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Everything you said reminds me of that book. It's about like during slavery, how white people used to like um basically eat black people in a literal and figurative way um but yeah i i like that line a lot i like that line um because i think we've also internalized a lot of that and i think people talk about sex like mechanics and it's like skill instead of like an actual like spiritual practice and i think that um we we are kind of like separated from sex to the point where like people are, I mean, this may be a controversial statement, but you know, people are like physically assaulting their sexual partners and calling it like pleasurable. And I think it goes with to what Carice was saying about that aspect of like domination and how, you know, that, that we are like a group of, like we as a society, have put the okay to like you know degrade someone during this like spiritual sexual practice which i think is just really unfortunate yeah I, I, I liked that that section yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna share some i'm gonna share some like something that kind of validates what you just said ash and just really really validates the sexual degra degradation that white supremacy has perpetuated um, like due to the whole like European mindset everyone has been given. Um, but I I'm just gonna recall a time when I, I was sexually um, sewered by a, a, a white person, which is basically any sexual uh, interaction between a, um, a, a white person and a, and a um, black person or non-white person is incorrect because of the natural unbalance of power that exists between white and black people and non-white people under the system of race and white supremacy. So when I, when I would be sexually sewered by a white woman, they would have such um, just odd requests like for me to, to, to choke them. And I, I was pretty, um, pretty new to being sexually sewered by white people. So um, I didn't know that like, you know, this was like something that was like common, a common practice. But now that I'm able to understand racism, what it is and how it works, and especially the psych the psychology behind it, I'm able to understand why um um white women were asking me to to, to choke them um for <laughs> pleasure. I'm glad you ran. <laughs> oh, well, well, I, I did, I did, I did it, ran. Yeah, I, I did it. I did. Yeah, that, 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 but you get what I mean. You're not there now. <laughs> I learned now. Yeah, I learned. Of course. Yeah, I learned. But yeah. Can I ask a question? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Marquise. You don't have to like raise your hand or anything. Okay, I, just, I didn't <laughs> want to interrupt anybody, but I wanted to ask, like, how do you guys feel about like our our kind of inheritance to um, oversexualize ourselves and oversexualize sex as a black community? Um. Well, it's it's a part of our. Only, of and the reason why I'm saying that, sorry to cut you off, Swag. So the reason why I'm saying that is because you said. Um, a white woman asks you to choke her during sex. And I kind of feel like it's not just a white girl thing. You know what I mean? I feel I, like- I, Yeah. 
Um, I, I I emphasize that why I mentioned that earlier because I um non-white women have also requested that of me, but I think that's what we've been trained. You know, we've been trained to um by white supremacy to to enjoy these things. You know, to to view these things as something that we should be doing and calling it so-called sex. But um, yeah, that, that's my take. Uh, anyone else want to answer? Uh, I was just going to say that um, I think uh, sex is in a very weird place right now, just like in general with society, like everything is kind of like sex. Sex is very natural. It's a very natural thing. Like everybody does it. But the way it's just hypersexualized now, we have like promotion to kids all the time. I just, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me, but it makes a lot of sense. And Back to what Swala was saying about joking. Yeah, McQueese also said, yeah, like it's a request by other people too. So is that just like a it's a consequence or a result of like white supremacy, basically, right? And um also I think the the codified answer to that question, Marquise, is under the system of white supremacy. Expect those um who are not um classified as um white to behave like they were trained which is to be um monsters and monstrosities you know seriously that is so weird yeah consider yourself to be like a cosmic being and other people to be cosmic being then you would not you know like pee on people choke people <laughs> or also be peed on or choked because like facts you are a cosmic being. The other person is a cosmic being. They are part of this universe. They, they have ancestors. Like, I don't know. It just, I think that it is. I think that people who, like so I was saying, when I was saying earlier, I think we internalize a lot and we, a lot of us have European minds, unfortunately. Um, yeah. This uh, th this book I, I hope you all get along to um to reading is called Addicted to White in League with the Oppressor. It talks about how we're all addicted to white people. Like we all seek white validation. You know, we want like the white guy to say, "Yeah, you, you could do this. Yeah, I'll help you do that." You know, we want validation from things that are white. So um. Reading uh, the ISIS papers and, and this book club where hopefully allow us to um, break a lot of this white programming we've been given our, our entire our entire lives. So it's, it's not a, it's not a day and night thing. It, it's a it's a work in progress. But yeah, I um, wanted to. Oh, go ahead, my piece. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll finish this up really quick. But I I feel like at some point. Um, it's just gonna be really tough to get people to change themselves because at the end of the day, that's what you're asking them to do. See, but see, and also people people love changing, but it's improving that's the hard yeah, thing to improving, do. Improving, yes, yes. Yeah. Improving is the hard part. Um, yeah, um, I, I walk around this neighborhood and I ask people, like, I tell them that like, just, just talk to them, invite them to the book club and tell them that uh, I believe that uh, we're being genocided and um, racism and white supremacy is a big problem. And um, the mental side is real. A lot of people um, don't want to improve or even change. So we have to, um, the people who are like, who aren't willing to change, I, I just consider those people um, uh, in a sense already dead people. And um, we just, 
the people who are willing to do the work, those are the people we are willing to give our energy to. And the people who are not, um, they are, you know, just not worth our energy and trying to save because we have this problem is so dire that we can't drag people. People have to come willing to this um to this fight. Yeah, I agree. But I, I could be wrong. I wanted to read a part. It's on page eight. Um, I think it's like right similar. It says, thus the hippies and yippies by allowing dirt to accumulate on themselves in one sense are adding color to their skin. Um, they also, by allowing their head and facial hair to proliferate, cover themselves with the only part of their bodies that has substantive color, their hair. The present frenetic attempts made by whites to counter the sense of alienation to the form of free and open sexual practices and sexual orgies. Such attempts will be unsuccessful because again, the core problem is a sense of alienation primarily from their own colorlessness and secondly, from the social practices and structures white, whites have built around that psychology, psychological core over the centuries. And that line I thought was like really good, but also really funny because even today, like my um, roommate has, they have this thing at his job called like Mindful Mondays. And so they have this woman who's like wearing yoga clothes doing like this white blonde haired woman doing like a sound bath with like a Buddha statue behind her. And it's just like so funny because I feel like even when white people try to like shed whatever European culture of like domination and colonization that they have, they still just take on the stereotypes of whatever culture instead of actually like understanding the nuances of that culture. And you see it a lot with just like people who either like want to associate themselves with blackness, people like, it's just very interesting how they'll just like take on something, but it's still like so superficial. It's not actually um, a true understanding or like care for the culture. Mm. So I thought that line was really funny. Does anyone want to share or comment? If not, I'll share. Yeah, I would love to hear if you guys have any experiences of like white people who are like that, who present themselves as like not racist and like that they're for the cult for the culture, but are really like not. I, I like to share a story. Um, and what, I had a white professor. And um, like, you know, he, he became like a, a mentor type to me, I would call. But during one of our, our meetings, he uh, I was telling him like a story about my life and whatnot. And, and he, start, he started he started crying, you know, he started crying. And I, and I, and I now that I understand racism, white supremacy, that's a big no-no. Yeah, white people aren't, aren't allowed to cry in front of black people because they have nothing to cry about. So um, yeah, I just, um, that, that was pretty racist. But that wasn't the most racist thing to happen to me. But I, I just am able to understand that behavior now. Like, I mean, there's tons of shit that's happened to me. But <laughs> one of the things that's like crazy that's always happened to me, the war well, that not always happened to me, that happened to me once, I think, in middle school was I had this like black uh, uh, math teacher, and he was like really strict and militant. But like you appreciated it because it like kind of made you want to work harder in, in class. But I'm like, you know, 
early age, like I'm inconsistent with my shit. So, you know, he could tell, but like I was trying, but there was like this moment um, where he was just having like conferences with all the kids or whatever. And one of my friends, one of my close friends, he was like Hispanic. He had his meeting before, like right after mine. And um, he told him like, you're doing pretty good in this class, but you know, your friend McQuiz, he's probably gonna get butt raped in jail. And I was just like, I was like, what? He said that to you? He said that to you? I was like, I didn't know how to take it. But after that moment, like, I just could not look at Mr. Stryker the same. Like he, it just, it made so much sense as to why he was so hard on me. You know what I mean? Like he was like extremely tough. Like, like just beyond the work that he was making you do. It was like, the communication was weird. You know what I'm saying? It was no like, like real, like brother to brother, like you're black, you're a black student, I'm black, let me help you out. It was none of that, you know what I mean? And I felt like, I don't know that there's, there has to be some type of like systemic racism in there, you know, or prejudice that's been like drilled into his brain. I don't know, I could be overthinking. Um, I remember a situation. I don't know if um, you remember Swasha uh, Mr. C, first grade. Yo, oh the my most God. racist teacher Yo. of my life. <laughs> He's a threat. Uh, oh my God! Do you remember he picked me up and threw me across, across the classroom? Yes. Oh and my he threw God! Threw your brother, but. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get so tormented by him. Oh my god. So much. Um he will always yell at me in my face. I remember like I had a clay. He was like, "Where's your clay?" And my clay's right there and I'm telling him and he's just cussing me out like he had the most angry issues ever, but he never did it to his um Hispanic students. It was always his black students. He made me pee on myself when he made everybody else go use the restroom. Wow. Like the detrimentals of having a teacher like that um, is probably why as I got older, when I'm like, if I'm around a, a whole bunch of white people, yeah. I feel the most uncomfortable. I like being in a crowd of like just diverse but if it's just a specific crowd like how white people feel about oh my god it's a whole bunch of black people that's the same way I feel about a whole bunch of white people I don't feel comfortable I feel out of space and out of area but he was just the the hell that I went through with him and eventually he ended up getting fired like that took like for me to go to second grade, for him to get fired, they never fired him while we had him. Wow. Wait, you so, were like, you were six or seven during this? Yeah. Wow, I'm so, so sorry that you experienced that. It's okay. It was to the point where I stopped coming to school, and when I would come back, I remember he gave my plan away that we were growing away to this other new girl. He like taped my name over her name and gave it to her um it was just really bad like those were the detrimental part that's why like when my daughter go to school I make sure that she doesn't have you know thank god she never had a white male t-shirt yet but (laughs) it's just 
the scariest things to me that we had to go through. I don't think we could be surprised though, because this shit exists in America. You know what I'm saying? It's still the American system of schools, like yeah, yeah. But if you have parents, tell not them just that- in America too. Like I went to school in Ghana. Like that corporal punishment is no joke. I know they were colonized by the English, so white supremacy is worldwide. Like it is. People beat you like in, in any like country or treat or terrorize you. If our parents had said, you know, had told us about race and the white supremacy and, and what to expect, we could have went home and said, uh, I think I experienced some race and white supremacy. Yeah. I never told my mom that my that's a teacher. I never told my mom anything like because because I, you know, the system, this is how the system programs and trains us. So, you know, we just okay, we uh, it's white man. See, I didn't see Mr. C. I didn't have a language for white. They were just pale, just pale people to me at that point. I didn't know what white was. They were just pale or Hispanics to me. I thought like, you know, I didn't know what Misty was. I just knew like, he was like, he was a, a funny, angry man. And then I would laugh and he would throw chairs at us. It was nonsense. It was, it was not safe. And we should have definitely sued him and sued that school for the terrorization we experienced. But, and think about like how he probably was very happy to know that he would be teaching a school with black and brown kids because he knew he could terrorize them and probably get away with it. Yeah, because yeah, he didn't get fired because of me because he he didn't know what he did. What he they don't know what he did to me. I don't think they know what, what he did to Therese. So then education, they like. I think he got fired due to our remember our Hispanic TA with uh, the ponytail. No, I do not. I don't remember. I think that he he the one that grew courage and told on him. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's good, you know. Or it takes a melanated person to 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 knock yeah. out to knock out or some white supremacy. <laughs> well, yeah, it's really important yeah, to, to understand that that's nine areas of people activity, education being one of them. So, yeah, Sandra, you're gonna say something. Yeah, um, I think that that too. Um, so the school was in a low income area, right? Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. Because obviously, uh, you know, blacks are segregated into the low income neighborhoods by this system. But the teachers often that they put in these schools are teachers that get fired from schools and, you know, where the pay is higher. So they put all of the worst teachers often, you know, in the low performing schools. So sometimes when they behave that way, it's because they didn't cut it, you know, in a district that's super strict. And one of the things that I've noticed too is that oftentimes um, people will tell me that they're not racist, but they'll say they only use the N-word when they're mad or drunk or, you know, like during road rage as if, you know, it's okay to say it during those times. But that thought had to be in their head, you know, to begin with for it to come out. Like that just doesn't come out during those times unless you felt that way, you know, other, at other points. Anybody that say they're not racist is racist. Yeah, they think it carries. And I, I'm just gonna like I want to we're gonna learn this myth about a, a good white person, this myth about a a a, a white person who's like anti-racist, counter-racist, because like uh, you know, just first of all, and when when in war, never trust your enemy ever. So and um we a lot of um the blacks and non-whites problem is that we st- we still trust uh, a a person an entity that 
for 2000 years plus has been terrorizing, brutalizing and murdering us. So um, we have to get into a habit and understand that every white person is a racist suspect, you know, racist suspect, meaning that we suspect them of being a racist, being a person who practices white supremacy. And not unfortunately, due to the reality that every white person benefits from racism and white supremacy, they have to function in the system. They don't have a choice. They have to participate. So every person, white person is a racist suspect. Unfortunately, you need like another white person to prove that a white person is a racist, according to the code book, according to the racist counter logic. But yeah, that's my take on it. Really, really be wary. It's very dangerous to, to be around white people. Very dangerous to, to think white people are your friends because they're not. If they were your friends, we wouldn't have this system of race and white supremacy. If they weren't dangerous, well, we wouldn't have this system of race and white supremacy. So I could be wrong. We could be not be living in a system and we could have it all wrong. But and due to my detailed evidence, I don't think I'm wrong. Any comments, questions? Because I kind of feel like in this second chapter, there are some things that I don't necessarily uh, draw the point to. You know what I mean? That I can draw the point to in my mind. But. Okay, I think we could probably get to closing comments on chapter. Regine, Regine had a comment. I just have one, one thing. Um, hold on, let me gather my thoughts because I kind of just lost it. <laughs> Um, sorry, what was it? Oh, oh, yes. As we we're talking about the whole like, oh, I'm not racist spiel, right? Um, one of the things that I've been running into that not recently, but like throughout my life, as I, every time I talk about like racism or even like um, white supremacy now, like talking about this, I always get that one person or even that one white person that says like, oh, I don't know what that is. And then part of me is like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how to feel about that because part of me has a little empathy. Like maybe you don't know what it is, but then the other part of me is like, are you fooling around? Like, I don't know how to even respond to that. I'm just like, but the nice of me is like, oh, let me just tell you what it is. This is what it is. And this is how you perpetuate it. You know, and I think like it's getting to this point where like, obviously I have a diverse group of friends and I have friends because I talk about it often. Like I talk about it all the time, especially my research, I always talk about it. And then I have this one friend in particular who feels the need to like justify herself that she's not like one of them or like, you know, like in the group. And I'm just like, it's okay, like relax, like stop justifying. Like every time we talk about it, it's like, I have to like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. Yeah, like, so, yeah she's energy from you. You're like babying her and like giving her like black validation. And, and that's racism in itself, you know, get, getting free labor from, from a black person in a system where you have all the power, what? Let's see. Yeah. It's not your job to teach your white friends about something that you know that basically about racism they can look that up they can learn like we're learning we're looking it up we're trying to broaden our horizons they can do the same yeah and, and i'm sure they know about racism every, every white person is trained program every white person knows about racism well like 
what the jokes they hear, the the, the, the TV they watch, it all supports the system of race and white supremacy. So no, no white person is more confused about racism than any black or non-white person. Trust me on that. Yeah, I think the confusion comes into like, oh, sorry, one thing. I think the confusion, <laughs> I think the confusion comes into more of like when I mention like white supremacy, they get like, oh, yeah, like, you know, yeah, because you're narrowing you know? down, because like, you're you're like okay, because you're narrowing, because you're like you're looking at them now, because okay, because you're, you're getting smarter, you're getting warmer, you know, you're getting to the source. <laughs> I think also like it's important to understand that like we're all in this system it's like a whole like infrastructure system that is constantly causing mental illness on all of us and also like the white people who are perpetuating the system also like are mentally ill you can only be mentally ill to exist in this society and function and therefore like you know racism is like an illness and you can't just like get away from it by just thinking that you're not racist or thinking that you're thinking good thoughts about black people and also you know if she's not if she really like you know cares about white supremacy, she can also like you know provide income to this uh, book club and uh, <laughs> support us financially if she really wants to do something about white supremacy. Yeah, yeah. Send her our Patreon link. We got a Patreon, y'all. So, um, yeah. But yeah, um, if you guys have um, so-called white friends. Um, like definitely um, expect them or like, you know, you should expect them to, to help you to, you know, seek compensatory investments, you know, and what's a compensatory investment, you know, due to the system of racial white supremacy, the global collective of white people have more, way more money than people who are not white because they print the money, they make the money. So, it's no, it's not, it's not like unfair or it's not unjust for people who have no money to ask white people to compensate for that by giving us some of your money. So, if you really want to do something correct and something to promote justice, a planet where no one is allowed to be mistreated and those who need the most help receive the most help, you know, give us, give us some money. You know, that's only one area of people activity, economics. There, there's nine others that we need to dismantle and rework to bring justice but really if we if you guys are are having trouble um accepting that maybe white people don't have our best interests at hearts go go ask them for help and, and see how much help you get especially the ones who say they want to help okay i want to share something though but uh my friend she's uh She's related to Michael Bay, who's like the director of like all these like crazy movies or whatever. But she like basically comes from money. Um, but her money comes with like so many different conditions. And, and she's, I think she's half black, um, half white. Her mom's white, her dad's black. And she just, she was telling me the other day, like just how, you know, for so many years her family would just use money to like sort of psychologically fuck them up you know what I mean like or or just give them money give them access but then like like on the other end of it just came so much other shit like where they were just like really killing their character you know what I'm saying and um I don't know just like the empowerment that white people have um 
I feel like only intensifies their their craziness. Like, like I don't know how else to put it. Like, I don't think it comes from. Um, I don't think we could do anything to like help them understand that too. Like, I think for some reason, like they would just need to be obliterated for some reason. Like, I don't know. Like, cause I don't see. I don't see them like doing the real work that we do, like how we've like dealt with our trauma in our lives. Like we go to, like we legit go to therapy or we seek spiritual guidance and stuff like that. Yeah, we have, yeah. Like we have ancestors that, you know, we could go back to that really provide medicine, like medication for, for our symptoms. They have like things that really fucking destroy you you know what i'm saying like i don't know i don't i don't know but i don't know something you guys said made me think about that um that story that she told me the other day i really appreciate and highly respect that you um even with other such a thing allowed because a lot of people would never harm a white person i even think about the idea of harming a white person, even though we watch black people die every single day, and we will laugh when white people when black people are being mistreated on the TV every single day, and we call it comedy. So I really respect that you said that, and um, I also I think if if um, the system of justice, if it's proven that white people cannot exist in the same planet of justice because they they just keep fucking with people, they keep killing people, they keep wanting to do uncorrect things like killing and conquering and starving people out of their resources then yeah we would have to obliterate them because it's not sustainable to have something on a planet that is not capable of being it's like a a virus like covid like we have to figure out a way to get rid of that you know what i'm saying so yeah it affected so much of our, our world you know to a point where it's Yeah, there's literally not like one country or pretty much not like one acre of land on earth that has not been like, like, you know, either genocided, colonized, or like is under like neo-colonialism right now by like European white countries. Yeah, and when, when Black people are left to their own devices, Black Wall Street bombed. Tulsa bombed, you know, okay, uh, black people, we're, we're gonna like study you guys. We're gonna give you guys syphilis for 40 years and your families syphilis for 40 years. But we're not gonna tell you guys about it. 40 years, you know, the, this is the skiggy experiment. So historically, we, white people have shown their nature to black people, to non-white people, but people still wanna sing Kubaya and, and, and think we could build a world with white people. I'm trying to rally the troops. I'm trying Uh-oh. to- it's I'm, not, trying to, I'm trying to um, like understand that there's a war being waged against black people and non-white people, and we can either have a, a a fun geni- a fun genocide, you know, and like Snapchat it, or we can really get serious about um, our condition and, and try to liberate ourselves. But yeah, I don't know. People don't like talking about murder and seeing people like die and stuff like that and i understand that that's not i don't i don't really condone death i'm not saying like people should die but i don't know how else to like uh fix this 
problem. And I feel like it's a perpetuating one that's just getting worse. So, well, fortunately for white people, we don't have the power to kill um, white people or all white people. So that's kind of off the table. So, um, yeah, we have to um, get some kind of critical mass, which um, could do two things. It could force the white supremacist to um, end white supremacy, or it could force them to kill all non-white people, you know? So those are, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with like, you know, you know, all non-white people, myself being um, taken off of this planet, because that means our purpose was fulfilled. You know, we tried, we tried to, we tried to get rid of a problem. <laughs> it didn't work, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, there, there has to be a solution to this problem. There, there needs to be more people working on the problem. I think that's what's going on. So do you believe that there can be like a like white ally? Like I know we talked about it in the Yurugi book club, but I want to bring that over here just because we're talking about how we have to be together. And, and I think when I think about like white allies, like I don't know like deep down that they're really writing for it, you know? Like I really feel like they might strongly feel a certain way, but deep down their intentions are like, I don't know. You know, it's always like that iffy. Like, can I trust you? I feel like their alliance is going to be with their genetics. Yeah, it's possible. See, I don't, I don't understand that because it's not even really that serious. But, you know, but like when, when you're like, you know, stuck in an area but only being able to experience five senses, I can understand how the superficial has so much weight and power. But I, I, I'm, um, I'm participating in, in, in an experiment, you know, um, there, there's a, a, a another group I'm starting up with this book club, but it's going to be white people. And then I'm really going to see, like, is, is there a white person who's actually down to, to replace this? Like, is, like, is that possible? Because so far I haven't um, found that or seen that person, you know, but I do, I do have one particular person who, who, uh, one particular person who may be somewhat interested in taking this problem seriously. But other than that, I have no um, hope. I just do know that if black people and non-white people collectively come together, it's more of us than them. And we are able to establish some kind of um, non-white power, then it wouldn't be hard for us to devise like some kind of, um, some kind of ray, some kind of ray that would just be like a sun and we could just use that as some kind of, you know, protection defense for our, our existence if you guys are understanding me but um does anyone else have any thoughts on like white allies in general um i feel like with white allies um they can't be our allies um the only reason why i say that is because we as um people of color we have to come together um we can't really fully change the system that's kind of like their job but I feel like we can make our own systems and, and move and do what we need to do for ourselves if they feel like they don't want us here or we're not you know going with the program with things
We're playing chicken. You can go, Ray. <laughs> It's okay. I'm gonna. I'm um, just to chime in really quickly. I like how you said that because now I I think about it. Like what they can have their own group that is fighting that they can do that. But I feel like when it comes to like mingling together or coming together, I feel like that's where the issue's gonna come because they're getting all the insight of what we're doing and they're just gonna turn around and tell them. So I feel like in this case, like they can create their group and possibly do some efforts together, but like moving forward, I think they can do that. And it kind of reminds me too that when we were saying this too, I thought about like how I always see like white people leading these protests and all of these things. And it's just like, stop parading around. Oh my God, I, I wish the protests were still going. If I wish I had a book club when the protests were going on, I would have been in the streets saying, yeah, I really want some justice. This is not constructive. This is not productive. Like we're not, this is not, but like that would have been a good time to really find people who are really about, you know, bringing change. But uh, yeah, white people are just protesting because it's a drill and a rush for them. They get to like get beat up by the police and then go to the black parents. Oh, I, I know what it feels like to be you now, you know, so. Yeah, I actually, I actually <laughs> know someone who said the exact, that exact statement to me Damn. after being uh, manhandled by the police. Yeah, oh, wow. um, what everyone is saying. I've been thinking a lot about that, about setting up separate, like separate whole ways of existing, separate food distribution systems, separate everything. Like, I know a lot of people talk about it, but I'm wondering like how to actually like implement it, like and how each person kind of like builds a skill that we can collectively like benefit from, whether it be like, I don't know, like woodworking, mechanic, all these things that are really important. I think it's actually like, like I tell my daughter that a lot. I'm like, maybe you don't need to go to college. You know, you just need to learn a skill that other people don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> whether that be like welding or whatever, yeah. that's gonna benefit your people, you know? Yeah, I've been I think that it's like really important. Um, I personally have been in a lot of orgs that were like started off maybe with black people, white people came in and they really set up, set it up and infiltrate with their own like white supremacist systems. And then you see how it just mirrors like what, what we already exist in. And it's supposed to be an organization that's like revolutionary or causing change. And that's when I think I kind of like really gave up on the idea of like a white ally um, in general. Also, like just the history of America shows that white people are going to side with, you know, the ruling class as long as it fucks over non-white people, even if it benefits them. Like we've seen that. We see that now with like Trump. So. And they're competitive in nature. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, man. Like, oh, man. We're <laughs> Um, as, as we journey through this book together, and I do hope you guys stick with us through this, through this book and through this book club, but um, yeah, um, I, as a person who, plays, who, who used to play video games a, a lot more than I do now, um, I used to play video games like for fun, but playing with white people, Jesus Christ, take it so seriously, you know, take the fun, <sighs> take the fun out of everything. <laughs> so yeah, very competitive. Yeah, I uh, just... Uh, it was interesting um, about the protests. White people are just straight adrenaline seekers. Like, that shit's a TV show to them. It's like a live zoo. You know, that's why they like to indulge in that kind of stuff. Like, you're out there fighting for your rights in your life, and they're just out there because 
they get a, a rush. <laughs> yeah, actually, like someone was killed by the police. His name is Dijon Kinsey Kizzy. He was killed on like a couple blocks, maybe like five minutes away from here. Wow. And I went to like the like the day that he died, I went to where he was killed. And like you see like white people in straight up like gear, like ready to like fight, like super just like cover it up. And you see the black people are actually in a space of like mourning because this person literally just fucking died like a couple hours ago. And instead of like, you know, being mindful of that, they're like, oh, you know, there's nothing going on here. Like we're going to go somewhere else. And I was like, this is so. Just combat ready. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's just like a, it's just like a fun, like escape or something. It's not actually yeah. like they're not being mindful that someone really just died here. Their family's still here, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to get too 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 ahead and just really telling you guys about the white nature and all that secret so early. But white people, <laughs> as as we will learn, kill for fun. That's. So. I wanted to ask a question and probably be like a little off topic, mm-hmm. but my child is seeing all the things that's going around here. Mm-hmm. all the Trump, the election, the killing, the police, the tally, blah, blah, blah. And since she's learning about all the Black history going on, I'm at a phase with her where every she thinks every white person is the devil. And how can I convince her that Right. I mean, she's probably not right. I mean, she's not wrong, but she, at the same time, I want you to be more um, open-minded and, um, you know, you have to exist in a world full of people. You just can't hate all of them and, you know, it's just kind of hard to grasp to her to be like, hey, um, you, you're probably right, but a lot of a lot of kids growing up worshiping worshiping white people so she she's really ahead if, if as far as i'm concerned you just need to 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 um turn that um hate into a suspicion like let her know that you know you don't have to hate them you have to be suspicious and like just know that they're dangerous you know that like yeah you know, that, that they can ruin your life with, with a phone call you know you know that yeah. they have they have the power and you don't so you have to be really like you know not afraid of them, but like just cautious and, and smart about them. You know, you have you have to start teaching her codification and black self-respect, like like um ASAP, because that's how she's gonna grow up. You know, yeah. Not, like I, I already have discussions with her about different details of things, and um, you know, because she's so into history, she loves it. So um, I'm just giving her the details of all that I can give her you know um but it's it's kind of hard this is why I stopped straightening my hair I stopped doing certain things so that she can get the gist of okay mommy loves herself because she's gonna see kids with straight hair and then she's gonna be like oh well why but she loves her curls she embraces her curls I make sure she watch things that has a little black girl as the Lero as you know what I mean I'm trying to I always been that way with her, mm-hmm. but now it's to the point where it's like, 
every time she see a white person, it's a, it's like a uproar. It's not like, oh, you know she? what I mean? She's eight. Oh, okay. Oh, my daughter's nine. Cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I think um, I was gonna say it was similar to like what Swa was gonna say. It's. I think it, it makes sense for her to be afraid. And I think that it's really important not to like invalidate. I'm sure you don't like invalidate that fear because it's like yeah. definitely makes sense. And I think it's more about just like maybe I'm doing the same with my daughter. It's really hard, but like providing yeah. like strategies of like how to like stay calm in like the mm-hmm. presence of like a lot of white people. Like yeah. how to like, I don't know if you like, like I, I always like you say, you know, you have to like talk to your ancestors and remember that they're yeah. like protecting you. Yeah. And just be mindful of telling her, like, you know, you, when you project a lot of fear, um, like, I always tell my daughter, like, if you project a lot of fear, that energy goes out and there's people who feed off of that energy. Yeah. White people feed off of that energy when we are frantic and not, like, really acting within a certain code. So I think it's important to just, like, teach her to kind of, like, be calm, trust in yeah. you and herself and know what to say around white people and not to give them too much of your energy. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. I'm I sure try to, like it's that. very helpful because I was just struggling like, oh my God, well, what do I tell her? Like, she's not wrong, but I don't want her to, you know, walk in this world and just be like, ugh, you know, yeah. when yeah. you see them. And I love that she's like um, really into history. Like um, like a, a, a lot of um, the self-hate, uh, that exists among um black people and um black children starts because um they their introduction to black history is um slavery when our history goes back like ten thousand years before that was before white people were even like uh, a thing so it's very important for her to understand her africanness understand her melanin and its power like because she's she's a black she's she's literally able to see the truth and the truth is that um maybe white people Mm-hmm. are like the the manifestation of, of what people call devils you know and yeah. like a, a history kind of kind of shows me that if i just look at history like from a um a, a, a intelligent fly on the wall you know i'm able to see him and white people this is this is a bad thing this is something a devil would do this is also something a devil would do it's awesome a devil would do it's awesome a devil would do all right it's kind of thinking that these people who are doing this may be devils huh let me let me look into this further you know but yeah. so I think um, due to the melanin in our skin, we are able to to know truth, see truth, sense truth. You know, especially in our youth. So yeah, and uh, I yeah I, I would love for um for Z and, and your your daughter to me. Z Z is my daughter. I have a daughter too. Um, so um yeah, they should hang out and watch watch some like black documentaries together. Oh yeah, she loves documentaries. Oh. Yeah, we have a WhatsApp. I'm gonna uh, get everyone, all the newcomers in the WhatsApp. We share like uh, links to really constructive like videos about like blackness and um, countering racism and just information about racism. Yeah, I'm just glad that she's grown up differently than I did because it's it's. All that I had to learn from my parents, it wasn't by like them telling me, it was just by me looking. So I know like, okay, I need to bank black. I need to 
on my property. I need to do this and that. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, it was all by showing me instead of, I mean, I rather would have been happy for you to tell me too, but I mean, I had to get older to actually pay attention to see what they were doing. But with her, I'm not just showing her, I'm telling her too. And I'm trying to be the utmost honest you have with to. her because I don't want her to be like me kind of shunned and don't know. And then I grow up and I'll be like, mm, this don't make sense. And then have to figure it all out. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're definitely uh, on the right path. And anyone else have any comments? Thank you, Ash and Flasha. No problem. Like, just make sure, uh, just let her know that the system, and if everyone who has children, let us know that the bottom line, the system is trying to inferiorize you. It wants you to to hate yourself. It wants you to hate black. It wants you to to be able to to laugh at memes that say black people are dumb and black men deserve to go to hell or black women are crazy. It, it wants you to, to to laugh at black people being silly or in inferior roles. So make sure she understands that this is um, psychological warfare and um, give her this knowledge as right now because she's able to understand what's going on now. So give her this now and uh, she will be able to tell her friends hopefully and then her friends will be able to hopefully at a young age, like, you know, she'll be able to avoid people who are not going to benefit her energy or she'll be able to enlighten them and get them to improve. Yeah. So, that being said, um, is everyone able to understand the color confrontation theory? Do we know why white people are wilding? Do you understand this through the color confrontation theory? One small yeah. aspect. Sorry. Can we, all right, shall we move on to chapter two? Yes, let's do it. I like I like chapter two a lot compared to chapter one. I feel like chapter one was kind of like boring, kind of kind of like uh not boring, but it's more like um, you know, this is a terrible reference. But I was gonna say like learning about World War Two versus like the Spanish War of like seventeen sixty 